I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. to the Mostly Professional podcast where we talk about the space between beginner and master of craft and career. And today is my lovely guest, Kobe Lewis. Kobe, thank you for being on the show. Now, Kobe is... I've got more adjectives here than I usually say. Kobe is a psychologist, a model, an actress, a creative storyteller, and a soon-to-be mother. If you don't think that's a job, ask your parents. Now, Kobe, <laughs> um, we met in a very, very silly way. We met. Oh, how, do how, you how remember? Yeah. So we were both we were auditioning mm. for um, a remember, short film. I don't remember Milk. specifically what. Yeah, it was Milk. that. And um, so we just said hello for about two seconds, and then we had to make out. Um, so. I think you did. You lift me up and I think so. It was some me around. Yeah, it's quite good. So um, that was our introduction. Hi, and then make out. So life as an actor is difficult. Um, talk talk about your boundaries first, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was a bit of a hey, how you going? Uh, (laughs) So so Kobe's been um, pretty bold from the get go. Um, Now. Some of the some of the things I grabbed to de- to describe Kobe are actually from uh, her Instagram. Now, Kobe's got a, a pretty respectable following on Instagram. You're about twenty two thousand at the moment, um, which is twenty two thousand more than I got, and she's doing well with it. And I'm curious about the words uh, people use to describe and label themselves, mm-hmm. um, and what you've got on there is actor, storyteller, creative coach. And I'm, I'm curious, how did you arrive um, at those those words, those descriptions? Yeah. Um, so, it, I guess to be an, I, I'm an art, artist. Mm. Um, and so one way I express my art is through acting. And that's such a passion and a, and a love. And then the other way is through being a storyteller. And I use the words storyteller because that's what I'm most passionate about that's why I'm engaged in the the acting work Um, and storyteller by way of I produce direct write uh, for films and then produce for theatre as well so filmmaker didn't really capture it whereas storyteller resonates with who I am and, and what I'm passionate about creative coach uh, that brings together my love of psychology and and the wellness and healing profession together with my love of art. And so it just came up with the 
the adjective of creative coach as a way to encapsulate this this different thing that I do, which is to bring those two loves together. Mm. Um, as a psychologist, I specialize in personality and relationships, which is which makes then relating that work to my artistry such a good fit because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the inner workings and the underlying psychological mechanisms of a character mm. in order to find that part of ourself to bring truth and to the story and to do that character justice. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I do all those things. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I, th- I just think I'm a person who deeply cares about humanity mm. and I, I do that through my work as a psychologist but then being an artist is a, is a way to reach more people quicker for me so that's my intention yeah awesome um and i'm definitely going to talk more about psychology and acting and, and the relationship between the two um, a little bit later on um because i want to stay on the, the social media a little bit because it actually ties in a little bit to your, your storytelling because you've done a lot of um You've done a lot of modeling and, and branding and uh, things, things with brands. Um, and a lot of those uh, pieces of content, those advertisements and things, mm-hmm. are very little, uh, tiny little stories. Mm-hmm. Um, either that they've created and you've been a part of or you've co-created. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been curious about what you've learned uh, through utilizing social media as a maker or as being part of... Um, of another maker's vision, you know, because it's kind of like a still frame of one scene in an entire movie, and that's the that's the final product. Mm. Maybe a, you know some of the some of the work you've done recently. Yeah, um, I find social media tricky. You know, <laughs> I think it's um, maybe like most people. I don't know. Like this, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with it. Um, my goal is I do like to connect with people who I genuinely like and I want to see I want to help in any way I can to help them thrive and get the word out about um, them generally if I'm doing a collaboration it's with someone that I I work with and then it's just um, natural to want to kind of spread the word about this great company. Mm. Um, one that I'm just about to start some work with is called Unoya, um, and she's it's run by this beautiful girl called Jackie, who creates essential oil oil blends. And so we're actually creating together um, a, a perfume blend in the name of um, Willow. That's all about self compassion. Mm. So I'm. I like to connect with people who I just like mm. <laughs> individually, personally, and really believe in what they're doing and want to support. And that fits with my personality about being someone who's collaborative and passionate about working in community. Mm. The part that I don't like about it is I think it can paint pictures of people's lives that aren't real and 
so I've tried with mine to make it balanced in being in in presenting aspects of my life that are that are more light and then just being really real in the hope that um, someone might visually like something and then if they read the paragraph that in some way that may touch them in some way so that they don't feel so alone mm. um, so I try to keep it balanced between just general um, general chit chat and then more deeper yeah so to bring the humanness to social media because yeah because again we'll talk about this in, in more detail later but I guess, especially as a psychologist mm. and knowing the kind of effects positive and, and negative of I guess that kind of rose colored glasses yeah. effect that social media can have of, yeah they're so beautiful and they're having such a fun life and you know people usually just showing the highlights or a, or a scrubbed up version of just a normal yeah. thing yeah yeah and it's I do see the negative effects of it um, especially in practice um, I've definitely experienced it myself you know I think it can be utilized as in a negative way to compare oneself um, so I'm very selective in terms of what I buy into to follow mm. um, and I try and just follow things that I find nourishing and um, that align with my personal values. Yeah, great. Um, so I guess this is more of a... I guess this is similar to what you're talking about, the kind of the mindfulness of, of what you put out there and, and how you kind of shape the the version of reality that you're experiencing Mm. um what what goes through your mind when you you make a make a post or make content or share something both in terms of of how you want it to impact people but just some of the the nitty-gritty because one of the things i've i've seen you do really well um which can be seen as both practically useful um and very inclusive uh, is the the way that you really like to um, be social at events, take mm-hmm. photos with lots of people. Um, if you're in a photo with someone else, or if you're in, if you're in their photo, and, and tagging people and and bringing uh, bringing more people into the front, if that makes sense. And yeah. um, how do you how do you uh, approach yeah approach wanting to um, include more people in the in the content the content the, the, yeah. the stories everything like that I think being community driven and being someone that is uh, at my core um, passionate about people like I just have a love of people in general and um, and very friendly I like to celebrate celebrate the people that I get to work with or that um, I come into touch with come into contact with and I'm just so excited about what they're doing Um, I think social media can be used to buy into this me myself and I uh, culture that exists or you you could also utilize it in a really positive way to bring light to yes what you're doing but what are all the people that you surround yourself doing 
as well. So my goal with social media is to find positive ways that it can be useful and to mindfully stay away from buying into some of the negatives of it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've definitely seen... um, If you're on a set or if you've done a project, I guess there's... It's simultaneously a, a way to credit people. Yeah. Here's this thing that I was a part of. Here are the people that I worked with. Yeah. But also, I guess, depending on your role in a certain thing, but especially if you're in front of the camera, mm-hmm. then you, and I guess this is where some people can be either too self-conscious or egotistical mm-hmm. to go, I'm the person on the thing. Mm. I'm the most important factor in yeah. this. And I think what you do with um, the way that you include other people in, it's not just me, 40 other people helped make exactly. this happen. Yeah. Um, and 40 amazing people. Yeah. And that none of this would exist without them. And I'm a part, just a, a, a small part, a cog in a wheel, hmm. um, that art doesn't get created by itself, that it's so collaborative. And that's what's so beautiful because we all bring our different artistries and bring them together. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Being um, Being aware that there's other people involved and I and I actually learn a lot um, when I see the names of people and things because mm-hmm. at, at least um, on, on our level where where we work and the industries that we work yeah. in there's a lot of crossover like maybe your makeup artist mm. or your short film I'm like oh I know her yeah good on her she's doing that exactly and then you can talk to that person and be like, yeah. how's that thing I heard it's almost yeah. a talking point yeah um in, in a way so I think it's really beneficial for for people that are involved in yeah. in anything um, creative to one know that they are important to a project mm-hmm. whatever their role is but they're also not the only part of it definitely and I think I think actors can be a little bit more guilty of the I'm the maybe not I'm the most important thing because they're egotistical, that's because they're self-conscious. Like, all these people are looking at me. It's like, maybe, yeah, they're, maybe they're just setting yeah, up the light. Exactly. Maybe they're just setting yeah. up the microphone. And everyone's trying to tell their story with their gifting. Mm. So you mentioned a makeup artist. And, um, yeah, for, uh, fortunately, I've, I've yeah, worked with many I love. One, uh, her name's Elise. Um, and we'll pop her details at the end. Um, and she's incredible and she when I met her she was starting out and now um, she's work because I recommend her to as many people as I possibly can Mm. so now she's on sets all the time and so we're all there trying to do the same thing which is make it in our art Mm. but if we can help another then isn't that what this is all about yeah we all just need a bit of a helping hand and Mm. um, nothing happens in isolation. And I do think that's an important message that art isn't created alone. And if that is your goal, then perhaps um, sticking to uh, the stories or or whatnot that in making art, 
it just doesn't happen without the person you know, behind our catering or lighting or sound or the gaffer it's it is collaboration and everyone is equally as valuable yeah and on the flip side of that if they're um let's say you're maybe a day player on a larger production and you go out of your way to learn people's names and yeah show respect and and uh and yeah show respect to people who um have an equally important job to you yeah and it can be beneficial for you in the long run because they might remember you and they they know that you're a good person to work with yeah you're friendly but you're not there seeking validation it's just all Mm -hmm. positive professional yeah working because that people are there to work yeah they want to work in a good environment yeah people don't want to be left out and i think that's yeah i think that's another aspect of that inclusion you know of uh, definitely people being people playing their part and being genuine like the way i'll be on a set is the way that i am at my coffee shop (laughs) is the way that i am when like in i don't change in all aspects of my life i always have time for people Hmm. um and i don't think anyone is better or worse than another yeah Hmm. (laughs) i am curious as to what came first for you psychology acting how did you draw how did one draw itself to you or did one draw yourself to the other were they kind of related in your in in their appeal to you yeah um yeah it's an interesting question i so acting come first Mm. so i wanted to be an actress from oh gosh from as young as i can remember um i and and direct so I would often direct uh, Alice, in Wonder- uh, Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. over and over and over again in uh, my family's living room and recruit my little brother, I'd dress him up as <laughs> different characters, the full thing. Um, and I would always, always be Alice. And it was just, it was my favourite film and still is because... I guess it, well, I didn't realise it at the time what it was for me as a little kid, but um, as an adult realising I was drawn into the escapism of art and that how it could, as a, I suppose a sense, I don't know if I like that word, but like someone who is... Um, as a sensitive person? A sensitive person. Yeah, well, and, I, things affect you more and have a deeper impact. Yeah. Yes, I'm definitely that way inclined and and I think if, say, school was overwhelming or family was overwhelming, I think I found how art could easily take me away from a very, very early age and then joined drama groups and, you know, started off as a tree. (laughs) Um, Very important role, uh, that one. And... um, and started ballet really early and um yeah it was just it was an important part of my life I was also quite shy and shy quite shy and anxious for a long a long time and I found that when I was acting I was dancing that somehow the nerves went away and I felt 
more able to express those parts of myself without fear. So it started early and then life, life happens. And at 15, um, I really wanted to understand people and relationships. And there were things as a kid I didn't understand um, that were happening with the people that are around me. So I started reading psychology books really early, so from 15. So I have this giant collection of psych books mm. and I'm still not stopping. <laughs> you know, 20 years later, I am in love with reading about psych. Um, so then started that journey and I just knew at 15 that that's what I was meant to do. Um, I wanted to... Ultimately, the truthful answer is... I wanted to understand myself um, and wanted to understand uh, my family mm. as well. So I, I went on an expedition to try and understand um, the people around me. Yeah, I feel like that's every like kid's first um, fling with psychology. They're like, my family's weird. Yeah. They may or may not go further with it later, but they're like... It's like, my family's messed up. Let's look into some yeah. psychology. Who's Freud? Oh. Yeah, I'm... Uh, it's not a stretch that I'm a psychologist. <laughs> um, I think I was always peacekeeper, um, always trying to help and fix and nurture. And the fact that I'm a psychologist really is not a stretch or a surprise for me. It makes sense. Um, and I was also always the person that people, I guess, came to at school. Um and then just have my own difficulties, like I said, with shyness or anxiety, um, eating issues, you know, one, at one point. So I definitely have was on a path of self-discovery very early. Um, I really found it difficult to understand how people who love you can also hurt you. Mm. And I think that's why it became a bit of a mission to understand that um, it, because it made no sense to me. Mm. And then, so what did I do? I did a, a bachelor in honours, a master's, and just uh, handed in my thesis for my second master's. So I've been studying it for a while. Yeah, how many years? Uh, it's like over a decade. So yeah. if you're ever worried about how much uni work you've, you've got uh, and you're not studying psychology, then just calm down. Yeah. Um, it's a lot and I'm ready to launch from uni. But I wouldn't take it back because of the lessons that I've had in self-discovery for myself and the people that I've worked with. I just, I wouldn't take one of those years back. And also, um, I know we'll talk about this in becoming a mum. I had a little client recently say to me, you're going to be such a good mum because you're mm. going to be able to t teach exactly. yeah. your daughter about her emotions. And that he didn't, he didn't realise what that meant yeah. so much to me. Um, then acting, I was over in the States, um, in uh, New York, and I was doing some training, self-compassion training, which I'm really passionate about. Um, and so I was over there doing that and a friend of one of my best friends back home, 
she put me in touch with an actor over there called uh, Sinclair Walls, um, who's a very established actor in the States. And we become friends and he shared about, he shared scripts and his passion for acting and that just, that was it. I realised how alike it was to psychology. Um, I returned back to Australia and that was it. Um, that happened a few years ago. I contacted a good friend of mine, uh, Candice, and she put me in touch with The Factory, which is an acting studio in West End. And that was it. I haven't stopped since. Um, and the reason for that was because I found, as a psychologist, I'm often a mirror to how to people's lives so I reflect back back to them what they're saying or um, it, the focus is on my client so often I can finish a week and I really haven't focused a lot on how I'm going or how I'm feeling so acting gives me a, a way of processing strong feelings that I might have in a really cathartic way because hmm. I have heard from uh, Jordan Peterson about psychology being a lot about listening mm-hmm. and acting has is listening is a huge part of that mm. and has has that that sk- I think listening is a skill I think a lot of people are, are bad at it and to an extent even this podcast for me is practice for me to listen because I'm trying really hard yeah. to actually properly listen yeah. to you because I'm thinking of, I'm thinking, is it going well? And I'm trying uh-huh. to take notes, but I, yeah. I know that I'll get a better experience out of it yeah. than you will and anyone who listens to this. Um, if they really listen to the other person, mm. which, and then if you're in a scene and you're not listening to the other person, yeah. then you're, you're lost. Yeah. So. I th- you know, where as artists we are open to all our emotions, um, which is culturally what's counterintuitive, like mm. because we're taught that strength is to hide your emotions and everything's fine and um, it's weak to, to express them. So in acting, we've kind of, we have this safe world where we all feel like we have an opportunity to express them, to be heard, to listen to another's. And so I think with that emotional availability, that's where listening comes in Mm. because you are available to hearing, truly hearing the other and being empathic in what they're sharing with you and having that really sink in. And, Mm. um, and that's where that attunement and that connection happens just in life but um, definitely on the set with your acting partner because yeah. often you can meet for the first time and you have to create chemistry mm. for, and you've just said hello but if you truly attune to who this other person is then it's able to you're able to establish connection yeah it's, it sounds like that is um maybe in, in, in broader terms, uh, similar to what we talked about 
um, in part one about um, uh, being aware and respecting and, and, and celebrating the other people that are involved in a project like mm-hmm. the cast and, and crew. And if you're taking the focus away from yourself, either from your own ego mm-hmm. or your self-consciousness and you put it on other people, you focus on them, you listen mm. to them, you see what they're doing, yeah. then I think it balances out the self-consciousness and ego of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it allows you to 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 be impacted, to, to be changed or affected either yeah. as a person or as a performer. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's been plenty of times that in your in your work as a yeah. psychologist when you, you've listened to things that mm. maybe are extremely difficult mm-hmm. to listen to or, or things of extreme beauty and there's a, a surprise that happens in you of mm. yeah, that, that you can't experience unless mm-hmm. you're listening and getting out of your own head and putting your eyes and your ears on the yeah. other person and it's it's quite difficult to to do and that's that's why i think it's a skill mm. so um so it's it's, it's yeah. where i think you're having um having the, the positive of that always working on listening yeah definitely i think also it comes back to being genuine i love what i do like i pinch myself that i get paid to do something i would do for free i absolutely love it it's a highly privileged position for people to let you into the most secret parts of themselves and their lives and it's my responsibility to show up and and listen because they are being so vulnerable Mm. um and then I just try and perspective take in terms of, well, uh, you know, any times that I've been in therapy, I'm a big believer in therapy, um, that the therapists that have made the most difference in my life are the ones that just listened. Mm. Like they truly listened. And I felt a genuine sense of interest and care in my story. Um, and I try and do that for other people because... Some people have never known someone genuine in their life. Some people have never known warmth. Mm. Some people have never felt empathy. And so I just take that really seriously. And then when we're on set and we're serving a character and we're playing the role of a character, those interconnections and relationships are so important because we're trying to tell stories. And the reason why we're trying to tell stories for many of us is so that they can touch the people that are watching so perhaps they can see themselves and part of my intention with being an actress is so that then fosters greater compassion Mm. so you can watch something and maybe you judge it like I've definitely been cast in roles and I've judged the character Mm. off the bat but something in me wants to play it and generally that's when I've judged a, I judged a character because there is a part of myself that I haven't fully accepted. Mm. That's all it is. I'm judging that part that I haven't accepted. So choosing to step into that and fully embracing this story of another brings more compassion. Yeah. Doing a little bit of uh, shadow work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The ones I judge, they're the most interesting because it does show me what is it about me that I haven't, that I'm shut off to um, in my own personality and in my own light and shadow. Mm. It's definitely what draws, and that's what draws a lot of people to darker stories and characters, even yeah. as audiences of, you know, I could never be like that. It's like, you definitely. could, you just think you couldn't, but you want to see what it's like to experience it. So you watch a story definitely. of it and then the actor has to confront that in themselves of, uh-huh. could I kill someone? Could I betray mm. someone? Could I throw it all away? Yeah. And the so. truth is we all could because we're all as human as one another. Mm. Um, like you just said, oh, I could never. And I like how it has that kind of like flavor to it. Like I could never do that. Yeah. I could never do that. Well, hang on. Had that those circumstances happened in your life, Mm. Yeah, perhaps that version of you could exist. If those circumstances have happened in my life, yeah, that version could exist. Yeah. We could be talking in a prison. We could... Um, yeah, it's that, that one bad day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that, one, that one decision that goes very extreme one way or another. Not to, not to harp on Peterson again, but um, even, even he has talked about... Um, yeah, the in some of his classes about um, if you don't believe that you could have been a guard at, at Auschwitz, then you really have not looked at yourself. Agree. Yeah. And, um, and I won't go into more detail about that because I won't do it justice. But yeah, that there's a part of you and that might be the things you don't like about yourself mm-hmm. or the things that you think are are bad, but they might be useful in some mm-hmm. way, like saying no is uh, not necessarily a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. And people think they're nice. Yeah. So how do you reconcile mm. with that? You know, being a monster, but knowing how to put it on a leash. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we trick ourselves as well. You know, say that, saying no. Um, I don't want to say no because I don't want to seem unkind. Mm. But then, hang on. If your definition of kindness includes honesty... Then if you're saying yes to something that's really a no for you, then is that kind? Like, is it kind to you? Is it kind to the other person? Mm. Um, so I guess it just comes back to values um, and recognizing we're all as human as each other. We've all got light and shade. We've all got things that we're conscious of and things that we're unconscious of. Um, and basically we're motivated by need mm. and generally often when our shadow comes out to play it's because we've got a largely unmet need of some kind um so when i like when i started acting it was about four weeks into my journey of acting and i played um the role of um it was a david williamson play called siren and i just fell in love with this character that i judged initially and all that it, it what it come down to was she had such a high need for love and power because she had received so little love and felt so powerless in her life and so therefore there comes the compassion hmm. 
Because I have another question about... Because um, I, I in no way claim to have any near anywhere near the, the amount of expertise and, and study that you have on psychology. But when, but there's such an overlap of, of psychology and acting preparation, like the character, like thinking of the given circumstances, yeah. for example. And even, because I've experienced this, and this is, this is also to do because I'm like an INTJ analytical kind of person. Mm-hmm. So it does, a play, it does play a large part into that for yeah. me. But when you've created characters, analyzed characters for a while, mm. and then you think, what is the character of me? Oh, yeah. What are my given circumstances? Uh-huh. You know, what is my motivation in this? You might, you might call it a scene. I guess it could be like, you know, like a first date or, or a job interview mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Or even an audition. Even this. Even this. Yeah. And when, when, if at all, are you most yourself? Because mm. I know that right now I'm playing a version of me. Yeah. And I'm trying not to, but that trying not to is part of the version of playing me. Yeah. It's a weird kind of little layering thing. And that's, that's, quite, that's been quite an interesting um, thing to... Uh, I don't even know if it's something to contend with. It's just something to consider. Yeah. Of um, it's kind of easier to go to analyze a character because there's someone else. Uh-huh. But you're like, oh, but analyze self. I'm a I'm a person too. Yeah. I'm a character to some degree. How did I end up? Yeah. Like this. What a you know. If someone was to play me, how would they? What information do they need to know? Mm. That's a good thought. Do you? Does your yeah. like? Do do elements of your psychological analysis, character analysis, mm. uh, ever come into your personal life of, of like, I'm feeling upset or whatever, and then you go, huh, but hang on, oh, I didn't yeah. have lunch today. Definitely. Or uh, it's because I've got a thing later on that I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. Does that ever come into play? Yeah. Yep. And I was thinking back to, you know, you asked what came first, the, the acting or the psychology, and... Um, and then you mentioned um, modeling and, and I, I, you know, I have been modeling since I was 17. Um, I was recruited by uh, an agency in Brisbane called Tamblins and didn't want to do it. Um, didn't, we, yeah, just had no interest in it. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. So, um, it was a, a, a job. Um, also, like I said, I was super shy and super anxious. And so it was a way that, to be honest, I learned how to act. Mm. It was when I started learning about, oh, that's how you put on masks. That's how you start performing. That's how you start pretending to be something you're not to the world, to hide how you really are. Mm. And that took over for a long time in terms of, especially like being someone perfectionistic of painting perfect pictures and then finding acting and then realizing acting is actually about not acting Mm. and you have to unlearn everything that you learn in society and you and you take off all the masks and 
it's so liberating mm. because it's really hard work putting on a mask. It's really hard work putting on that version of self that you think will be liked mm. and accepted or approved of. And it's such a relief just to be yourself. Yeah. Does that mean you'll be liked by everyone? Hell no. But at least you'll be liked for who you are. Yeah. And it's like putting a weight down. Because I've... And you might... You might... You definitely will know more of this than me if I'm thinking of the right thing. But I heard something recently. Um, I think it was persona or personas. Um, and it's more to do with... Like, for example, I have... I actually have two day jobs um, at the moment. One's in retail and one's in... Mm-hmm. Um, One's in a restaurant. And to an extent, the person who comes into the shop mm-hmm. doesn't care about my personal life. And to an mm-hmm. extent, why should they? Mm-hmm. So you put on the persona of the shopkeeper or yeah. the, the, the checkout person or whatever. Um, and I, it's funny, b- being a performer, I can kind of analyze that. Of um, I have said my lines, uh-huh. you know, the yeah. how I use and all that. The same way, because I've figured out the way that it works best yeah. for 600 people yep. who are buying a thing um, so, that they, so that that person knows how to interact with me and I know how to interact with them. Because yeah. if, if we met at a dinner party, it might be, it might be quite challenging to talk to them because yeah. you take away that simplified version of a person mm-hmm. that is shopkeeper. Mm-hmm. It turns into fully fledged human being with all your flaws and, and quirks yeah. and everything. Um, have, how have you, uh, one, am I even talking about something real? Yes. And two, um, have you come across that in your own life? Like even maybe the persona of the psychologist? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and definitely, I think probably the biggest one for me is the persona of the student. Okay. So, um, I, I, perhaps like many teens, I don't think I'm talking alone. Like I struggled with my esteem and identity and I, my escape was, um, well, I acted out for a bit. And then when I come back to my studies was my escape was education and, so my identity really got fused with being this high-achieving student. And if I received a seven for something, then that was my validation mm. because my identity was wrapped around with being smart. Yeah. But then there came, became a point where I was burnt out as a student. Yeah. It wasn't paying off. The drug didn't work anymore. And I was just left to ask, shit, who am I? Like yeah. at my core. Um, because I know, uh, you mentioned, yeah, some of the adjectives that I'll utilize for, uh, to brand the work I do. Mm. But at the end of the day, like my identity isn't that of a psychologist or an actor or a storyteller. My identity is my values Mm. and who I am. Um, I think that that was a lesson I had to learn that um, I think I was searching for so long for something external to define who I was or 
yeah, I'm a psychologist. That's my identity. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah, the what do you do and therefore what yeah, are you? Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. And that's not, that's a part of self. That's like something I'm interested in, but yeah. it's not who I am at my core and my values. Yeah, because you might feel better or more proud of saying I'm, a, I'm an actor. I'm a creative coach. I'm a psychologist. You might feel better about that. Like I, when people ask me that. Yeah. Say I'm an actor before I... I say, I'm an actor. Yeah. And I work in a shop and yeah. a restaurant. Yeah. Because I know they mean, like, what do you do for money? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that whole thing. We're getting paid. <laughs> what do you... So why, why, do people, <laughs> why do people give you money? It's like, well, I can sell stuff okay. Okay. <laughs> and therefore, that is what I am. But, but that's... Yeah. But it doesn't mean... No. You know... It, would you suddenly, is your, is your personality, is your like identity somehow different because you've changed your job? Like maybe, because yeah. maybe it means something to you, but maybe it's just the means to an end. And I think something you, you said just before, like something that we can do in society is the first question when you meet someone is what do you do? Mm. You know, what do you do? Because we, our brains somehow need to mentalize. Have you heard of uh, The Minimalists? Yes. Yeah, and they're... They're incredible. They're, yeah, their take on the what do you do question. Yeah. So, do you, can you tell people what they what they ask instead? I don't know. Do you remember? Know. Yeah. No. So, instead, so they get asked... Uh, so, if, if for people that don't know, there's a, um, there's a duo called The Minimalists. They have an excellent podcast and incredible. several books and mm-hmm. a documentary. Um... And uh, they they used to be they used to be poor growing up and then worked in the corporate world uh, and then they left that behind to pursue meaningful work and, and become minimalist yeah. uh, and spread that message. It's a very simplified version of what they are and what they do. Um, they have an issue with the "what do you do" question because it means uh, to th- to them it feels like. How do I then compare you on the socioeconomic scale? Yep. Do you make more money than me? Are you in a higher status position? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, they like to flip it to what are you passionate about? Yeah. And it feels a bit wanky, honestly, sometimes yeah. to to say it out loud. But, yeah. you know, it, it, you get to that anyway. You, you ask people, what are your hobbies? Yeah. What do you do for exactly. fun? Exactly. It's just a different version of the same question. Exactly. Because you know that not everyone that works as a checkout person not I don't someone out there is passionate about yeah. putting things through at the register and good on them. Yeah. But most people aren't. Yeah. And therefore is being a checkout person. Yeah. Who they are. It's like no, it's yeah. a means to win and they got bills to pay. Yeah. And uh we can we can definitely confuse that with other things being a working in a corporate thing, even being mm. a performer. Mm. You know, there's plenty of people that go into this for the wrong reasons. Agree. And I would extend that, like, the what are you passionate about to um, perhaps what's what's meaningful to you, do you mm. know, what matters. Because what where people invest all their energy or their time, what's meaningful to you can really tell you a lot about who a person is. Mm. Um, you know, first and foremost to me is relationships. Relationships are the... M- what's the point of all this of art of life Mm. if we aren't capable of forming true connections um, to self and others so I like to ask what people 
what brings meaning to people's life. It could be, you know, a coffee with a friend mm. or um, creating art that didn't exist before. Just what gives their life true meaning. Mm. And often, you know, it's got very little to do with anything ex- external. Mm. Um, it's just got to do with your, your values. Mm. And I think that's the, the key to happiness if you're living according to your truth and, and your values. I did want to talk about something that she has made very clear that she's passionate about, and that is self com- self-compassion. Yeah. Um, and I'm... For, for people, what, what is self-compassion to you, either a definition or an example or something? Yeah. I resonate with Kristen Neff's definition, which is being kind to oneself and treating yourself like you would a good friend. Often I find that people who are innately kind to other people can often be the most sacrificial to their self. So it's finding a way that we treat ourselves with respect and, and the more compassion we can have for ourselves, it's compassion in, it's compassion out, the more compassion we can have for others. You know, generally if you come across someone who's quite judgmental of other people, who seems to always be putting themselves down or other people around, it's a compassion difficulty. Mm. Because no one who has true self-esteem needs to put anyone down in order to bolster themselves up. And so I feel like Kristen Neff's definition resonates with me because she talks about compassion being a three-step process of mindfulness. So being aware of your thoughts and feelings in any given moment. Um, It's about common humanity. So just recognizing that we're all the same we all have the same humanness i when, no one's not important and no one's god we're just as important as each other and kindness so treating oneself like you would a friend so if a friend's had a bad day i would be there with openness to hear what's going on for them i would bring them something i know that they like mm. And so with self-compassion, it's doing the same to yourself. So before this interview, I needed some, so I got a coffee. Um, And it's a constant checking in of, well, what's my need and how can I meet that need? Mm. Yeah, very, very important of that. Again, the balancing act. There's definitely those that think too highly of themselves and those that think far too lowly yeah and finding that um that middle ground that's beneficial most beneficial to you but but other people as well and yeah i've seen that i've seen that a lot there's lots of people that um will put other people that it's, it's an example of a bully you know put other uh-huh. people down because they don't feel good about yeah. themselves yeah but then on the flip side of that there's people that will do anything and everything mm-hmm. for other people because they don't feel good enough uh-huh um, yeah, it's... And that's the flip side of the same coin of being perhaps self-subjugating to your own needs and self-deprecating. Um, people are above me. I'm just... I'm nothing. Or going the extreme of I'm godlike and no one could be as good as me. Mm. And both of those are unhealthy extremes and 
to be honest, are both built on the same foundation, which is insecurity. Yeah. And it's not healthy. And comparison. And comparison. Yeah. Mm. In an unhealthy way. Yeah. Because um, when it would never be, how would that ever be healthy? Like if, in order to, if you're engaging in comparison when you're, where you're like, uh, I'm never going to be as smart as them, or I'm never going to look like that, or that'll never happen for me, then that's not fair. Because hmm. it's just an attack on self. But then the other flip side, if you're like looking down and like, no, I'm way better than them. I like my, you know, my life's so much better in all these ways. Then how is that healthy? Hmm. It's just neither extreme is. And it's just coming to a place of that common humanity that no one's not important and no one's God. We just, we're just, we're humans. How is that, um... How has the rise in the self-care, I don't know if it's a movement, but mm-hmm. I guess the, the, self, the self-care that people are um, performing, because I've, I've seen it, I've seen it in, in various ways where maybe it's someone who quite honestly needs a break, finally takes one. Some people having an extra piece of chocolate, maybe because they just want it. Mm. Is it chocolate? <laughs> like yeah maybe um but uh how how ha- i guess maybe has the um the increase in at least awareness yeah of self-care in, in a positive way like people are more open to it or mm-hmm. take it more seriously like even things like taking a mental health day mm-hmm. um how how have you um how have you found that with i guess you've already um kind of been doing that to an extent either with yourself or trying to help other people do it for themselves how is that how have you found that um i guess as a psych my view is and it's doesn't mean it's right or wrong it's just my view is that the seed of mental illness does come back to people not having the skills to manage their strong emotions and so then if there is a lack of nourishing self-care then people are just trying to cope the best they can so they could reach for the bottle or reach for drug or um uh anything that's addictive like someone who needs to who jumps from relationship to relationship like it's all trying to fill a inner wound Mm. and basically what it comes down to is a a skill deficit which is learning about appropriate self-care so that you can meet those underlying human needs or you can soothe that wound that's being triggered in a healthy nourishing way not through some external mean to numb the pain yeah because i've seen um and it's hard to know the full extent of it, but there are some friends of mine who I think are probably closer to the um, putting themselves down, putting other mm-hmm. people up kind of temperament mm-hmm. who do go, that do agree to the idea of, of self-care, but for them, sometimes it's maybe they could have just slowed down a little bit earlier. Yeah. Because I, I worry that for some, I think that it's good overall. I think that um, 
there are obviously care for yourself is not always like a nice soft thing you know the tough love is also self-care can be tough love agree you know um and i think i think it the only uh maybe not negative but the um the only thing i see sometimes is Mm. the two can get a little confused of of maybe uh you know self-care doesn't doesn't mean tough love like for example um i've uh i've struggled with my weight and my size mm-hmm. um over the years uh, i wouldn't call it an eating disorder because it wasn't diagnosed but it was getting close in yep. 2015 and tried to get as skinny as possible and it looked really bad um and then the last two years mm-hmm. i've been really interested in, in physical training and, and trying to get healthy and strong and everything mm-hmm. um and I know that there are times where you could call it self-care or, or, or whatever have been slowing down. Mm. But a lot of the times it's taking a look in the mirror and being like, you need to work a little bit harder, buddy. Mm. And um, and I hope that that can be included in the conversation about self-compassion of like, um, especially for me, like yeah. instead of hating my body for how it looks, celebrating what it can do and then trying to make that better like how awesome is it that i can run how awesome is it that i can Mm. um, go rock climbing or something like that i have all my hands and my limbs and they work and i'm in healthy condition and i can rest and i've got clean food um Mm. and like yeah if i did that three hours a day every day maybe Mm. i might need to slow down but Mm -hmm. and that would be self-care but sometimes you gotta go to the gym or eat your vegetables or something mm-hmm. like that. And sleep. Uh, and sleep, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, there's plenty of that hustle culture that I think can be good if it instills uh, work ethic in people as long as it doesn't lead to burnout. Yeah. Um, which is which is a likelihood, mm-hmm. you know, especially with uh, various things like social media pushing stuff. Like, it's mm-hmm. it, it, and that's, it depends on what you follow. Yeah. That nourishing thing. Like, yeah. for some people... It's nourishing to follow the calm down, have a cup of tea, have yeah. a bath. Yeah. And for some people, they need that kick up the butt mm. kind of stuff, and it's good for them. So, yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic. For, um, so you've had self compassion workshops. Yeah. Um. What are what are those What do those entail? They. Or are they are they the same every time or? No. Yeah, that's a good question. No. Um, I come with a, a loose plan mm. to most workshops about what I'm going to do. But what I do is I find when I get there, I try and find out as soon as possible who is in the room. Who are the individuals in the room? What have they come for? What um, is their... Yeah, what what's driven them to respond to a an ad about a workshop and and show up and that's how then I draw from that and I suppose that's why it's artistry to me because it's working with who those individuals are in the room and creating something to meet the needs of those 10 or those 100 of people who have entered that day so I'll come with my agenda but I'm flexible in that depending on the needs of the group, then I'll be flexible in how I meet the needs of everyone there. Mm. And so sometimes I'll 
mix it up in terms of what theories I might draw from or be very intentional about what I share about myself. If I'm sharing about myself just to, for self-promotion or to be talking about myself, no. But in that context, if I'm sharing because I feel like that could then help uh, in sending a message out about self-compassion, then it becomes an intentional um, sharing. Mm. Uh, I also draw from acting as well and some of the beautiful techniques that we're exposed to in order to unlock closed emotional parts of ourself. Mm. Um, you really you're quite openly and honestly shared about uh, difficult you have around self-compassion and so often I'll start a workshop with having people look into a mirror and noticing and noting the thoughts and feelings that come into mind when they first look at themselves and then once we've gone through the the workshop and um, worked on them building practical skills for self-compassion and self-care then I come back at the end and ask them to look at themselves again and notice what thoughts and feelings come to mind. And why that reminded me of you is often, because this idea also came from, um, I mentioned before, also having an eating disordered background. So looking in the mirror, having these instant awful thoughts on the external version of me, and then going on this journey of self-discovery and learning how to be self-compassionate so that when I do look into the mirror now, it's about it's more around who I am, not what's on the surface. Mm. Um, and like you said, you, you you're trying to make that flip of being appreciative for a body that has all its limbs, that's healthy, that you can climb a mountain, and that taking more of a focus than what's on the surface. Mm. It's been. Um, it's been really helpful. Um, I have I have a problem with this to an extent. The the phrase of like it could be worse, mm. which is which is difficult because it can be, it can be helpful and it can be unhelpful. Yeah. But um, I I listened to a, a podcast um, that's done by uh, a retired Navy SEAL. It's called the mm-hmm. Jocko Podcast, and he mm-hmm. talks a lot about war reads a lot of war books and um, he has some veterans on every now and then. And to hear uh, stories of guys that get blown up mm. and um, they get their legs blown off or they lose yeah. a hand or they get, they go blind. Yeah. Um, and they still have a positive attitude in some way. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to do things. They mm-hmm. want to get back. They want to, whatever it's not a it's not a pity party uh-huh. and um you know there's a time and place for you know ch- checking in with yourself but yep. um i think that that that's a, for me that's been a, a method of all right well i can i can still check in with how i'm feeling and what my problems are but you know some people mm. have other problems and Maybe I'm appreciative that my problems are not theirs, mm. and uh, uh, you know, again, that's it's 
it's the whole it could be worse thing it, it, that can be it could be worse I was like, well I'm not them mm. but at the same time I guess that's part of like the compassion and empathy yeah. thing of like they had that happen and they mm. dealt with it and they're still doing well mm-hmm. and like that's you know that's inspiring and it's 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 motivational and, and um very reassuring almost as well of mm-hmm. like people like i'm a person they're a person mm-hmm. and they went through that mm-hmm. and they came out the other side mm-hmm. and are not better for it but oof, you can't keep them down mm-hmm. and that's that's awesome to hear because yeah. you know it's, it, even with the work that we do mm-hmm. um dealing with rejection you know every every audition we have mm-hmm. is yeah is got the pretty high likelihood of you're not going to get it. Yeah. You know, and, how and you, you don't know why. And you don't know. Yeah, you're not going to find out if you even if you even find out that you didn't get it. Yeah. You find out if you get it, but you don't necessarily find out if you didn't get it. No. Until the show is like in rehearsals. Yeah. And you're not in it, yeah. <laughs> and then you go, oh my god. Uh-huh. And if you don't have a kind of healthy sort of self compassion for that, because I've been dealing with this. A little bit this week, I had a I had a date on Wednesday night mm-hmm. with this girl, and I thought it went really well. Um, and if I'm wrong, and um, when this comes out, <laughs> that uh, it's it, it's that I was incorrect. But um, you know, I, I haven't heard back from her since then, and I was beating myself up mm-hmm. all day today at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of what did I do wrong, and what should I do, and mm-hmm. what shouldn't I do, and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, that we do. That people do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing a few things that, coincidentally, that you've talked about tonight helped sort of soothe that yeah. discomfort a little bit. And, um, you know, even talking to you tonight, um, you know, distracting myself from something mm-hmm. like that that I can't control. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're all, they all seem related and I think yeah. that it's important. Um, and at the end, I was even going to suggest... Um, we could even, I've got a short three minute self-compassion break meditation Ooh, yay. so that we could even do an audio recording and share it with you guys. Oh, that'd be awesome. So that when you do have, that's a human day. That's a tough day. Rejection is a part of life and it's painful. And I don't know anyone yet who loves the feeling of rejection, mm. but it's part of life. That you can turn to this self-compassion break to soften, soothe, and allow those feelings that are there. Mm. We don't want to discount them. Um, advice like don't think about it or just don't worry about it. It doesn't work. Yeah. So to provide something practical to listeners for when they're going through a hard time to just soothe that part of themselves. Amazing. There are easily definable chapters in our lives. And for you, you've begun a new one mm-hmm. as a mother-to-be. Yeah. Um, I mean, for you, you might have started that at the day you found out you were pregnant. Mm. Maybe it'll be different when she's actually born, but that whole thing has mm. definitely started. Yeah. You, congratulations on Willow. Thanks. By the way. <laughs> Every, everyone that, that's been listening... Uh, Kirby has a little one on the way 
Her name is Willow, and uh, she's going to have a great mum. <laughs> and in in what ways have you prepared for a, a new chapter in life, either specifically or or broadly of thinking, well, my life is going to be different mm-hmm. now. It yeah. might be to do with the fact that you're going to have a child soon, or maybe it's just that uh, like people feel this way when they leave high school or university or they move yeah. countries. It's like things are different now. Yeah. How how have you approached that? Have you how have you felt about that? Gosh, it's yeah, it's been huge. Um, I, it you know, Willow was unplanned, and um, I am going to be a single mother, so it was a lot. It was a lot when I I discovered. Um, I discovered four days after our breakup, so that was painful in itself. And then discovering um, I was pregnant, and then not having support in that was really difficult. Um, but I'm thankful for beautiful friends and family. Um, and finding out that I was pregnant really forced me to question if who I say I am matches up with who I actually am, you know, if my, the core of who I am is to, is relationship, is love, is to do no harm, that's, to do no conscious harm anyway, so deciding to, from, to, to choose Willow really resonated with who I am. Um, and I invest so much in my relationships with others. I just, I, I think I am ready to invest in the relationship Hmm. with my daughter. Um, I just had no idea. I, I think I'm still in shock, uh, 29 weeks later, um, on some days, it's 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 overwhelming. Some days, it's very overwhelming. I am super excited to meet her and find out what her little personality is like, and I'm equally terrified of her. <laughs> and when I have conversations with her, that's what I share. Like, I love you already. When you hear a heartbeat, it's hard to not be um, connected instantly. And um, but I choose her and I, I, it's my whole life as I knew it does feel like it's has ended. Um, and this new chapter and this new life is about to begin with her and I, so it's terrifying. Um, and I really have this new found, I'm compassionate to a core, but, oh, this new found compassionate for people. Uh, men and women in this situation because you are faced with in the case of unplanned pregnancy you are faced with three hard doors Mm. and um, I just have so much compassion for people in that situation that your life is forever changed no matter what door you choose and there's no right or wrong and it really I took my time in making a decision that was right for me in my life um, in moving forward, 
which is very different from being an actress in LA. <laughs> um, but I don't know, I think she's here for a reason and so much goodness has come out of knowing of her existence. Mm. So I have turned my life around for, for better to be her mum already. Mm. You can be a Picasso and study her when she's yeah. learning how to do everything. Children are the, the best little actors because they got no self-consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to nurture whoever she is not put anything on her like just to provide a space so that she can find out who her unique little personality is Mm. um and that she is it's our life right she's she's definitely part of my life already um and that love uh which i can't really describe is already there and she's not even in the world yet. Mm. So, yeah. And from friends also. She's yeah. very loved already. Yeah. Um, and has her first acting gig coming up. So. <laughs> she's going to be a little star. She's not. Um, yeah. So, it's definitely, this is, it was, yeah, it's been one of the hardest um, times of my life. But, I have grown so much and I've really been able to see who I am and really uh, that's been the most pivotal thing is seeing if who I say I am matches up with who I actually am, my actions. Mm. Mm. That's awesome, yeah. So speaking of uh, Willow's first little role uh yes. what have you got uh, besides besides a, a wonderful little daughter yeah uh what other things have you got in the pipeline um so i seems almost odd to compare them what are you doing soon i'm doing a film and i'm having a child yes have you got anything coming out soon well technically yeah <laughs> that scares me um yeah, in so in ten weeks, coming soon, Willow. Coming soon, to, Willow. Yes, to to a, a hospital uh, near me. <laughs> to um, a pram near you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. She. I mean, she, it doesn't. I just. Yeah. For me, it doesn't get bigger than that. Um, I didn't even think I would be a mum. I'm thirty-five ongoing eating disorder like just it just I had made peace that it probably wasn't in my plan and that was okay I've always been quite um busy and driven and occupied and then life just had other plans and when you are a planner that's tough Mm. because I didn't (laughs) plan it um and something I, I missed in responding to you was there's been a grief in that yeah, that I'm still going through and that I journal and um, and speak about and and because it truly is an ending of an, a chapter mm. to start one that I have no idea what it's going to look like 
And so really allowing myself with self-compassion to have my, my sad days, my happy days, my scared, in fear days, it's all okay because it's reasonable mm. that I would be feeling a whole gamut of things. Mm. Chuck some hormones on it as well. Um, in being an artist, that is one of the main ways that I do express my emotion in a healthy way for me. So some of the projects I've got coming up is uh, next weekend I'll be filming two music videos with uh, Crackerjack Productions where where it's, it's I'm playing the role of um, someone who's just come out of a uh, toxic relationship and one of the songs is called Black Rose. And so it's about how, like if we think of a rose, often it's given, like we think of a red rose and it's given as a sign of love, but this is called black rose. And the idea behind this is that it, sometimes when we enter in relationships that aren't healthy, it's, if we go back in hindsight, there was something that signified that it was not healthy from the start. Hmm. So that's why we... Um, are bringing in the imagery of the black rose because it was toxic from the start. Mm. Um, but as humans, we can be blinded um, mm. and often we can see what we want to see and miss those signs of toxicity um, that we may see in uh, for someone else but mm. sometimes can't see for ourselves. So... I am excited to work on that project um, because I have compassion for the writer and what this means to them and Mm. as a human can resonate with some of those themes. Um, And the next project is I'm producing a play. It's um, Sam Shepard's Fall for Love. Um, I think everything I do has a relationship theme. So that's about codependency in relationships. Um, we did that uh, in our first year at uni. We all had to do a scene from that, that did you play. Like it? So I'm familiar with the play. Yeah. Oh, it's... And, and I'll make sure I add um, in the in the notes about when that may or may not be on, uh, which is partially dependent on uh, the little one. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be the first play that she sees mum in. Um, and uh, that's with a beautiful cast. So Helen Howard is this extraordinary woman and um, director and actress in her own right, and she's the director um, and friends and actors that I look up to are the cast. So we have Colin um, Smith, who's playing uh, the dad role, and Michael Deed, who plays my brother and and love interest and um, Zach Bolton is the other love interest and I just think it's a remarkable story because it's so true of many relationships where there's an intensity between my character and the love relationship she has with her um, uh, brother and 
it goes back to the trauma that they had as kids Mm. and them growing up with this idea that pain equals love. Mm. And I think that definition is so true still to this day of often people can get wrapped up in intensity or pain equals love but pure love is is never that um so yeah it's a story that i'm excited to be a part of it is a roller coaster it's Hmm. super intense goes for 90 minutes yeah it's a it's a hell of a play um and then the other project is with sparrowland productions who i've worked with before who i really adore and respect um and that's willow's debut um so they were writing it prior to my finding out i was pregnant then found out i was pregnant so the script was changed um to incorporate willow so um they yeah we won't start filming until after she's here and um so that's a young a young career Mm. Uh, in acting. Yeah, not, not even a child actor. <laughs> no, no, minus, minus one. Minus one. So, um, yeah, I hope she doesn't mind. And um, that'll be... Just got to pay the penalty rates and all that. Definitely. Give us some... Um, extra milk. Extra milk. <laughs> Get catering and bring some extra milk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, so, I'll, I'll make sure that I include all of your social media and... and um, and your website and everything that we've talked about um, in the description and anywhere I can put links. So Kobe is on Instagram at kobe.lewis, K-O-B-I dot L-O-U-I-S and at Kobe Allison Psychology, K-O-B-I-E-A-L-L-I-S-O-N Psychology. Uh, She does have a Facebook page, um, a Vimeo and a website, kobelewis.com. And everything that she is working on, I will include any links I can get my hands on, uh, including the people we've talked about, like The Factory, um, Kristen Neff, and Eloise, your makeup artist. Yeah. And is there any final words or uh, anything you'd like to say to the listeners out there? Oh, I think like, this is not just for actors or this is not just for people who are interested in self-discovery. This is for people. So um, I would just encourage everyone to find, try and find what it is that brings them peace or find an avenue of expression that makes sense for them. That's nourishing. Um, And that's it. So if I, we were just, we well, were having a, a, a coffee and a chinwag and um, Matt was asking me about advice for other people around social media and I said, I, I honestly would just bring it down to one thing, which is to be yourself. You, you know, if, if no one has what you have, like we are all uniquely different and we all bring our own 
strengths, weaknesses, uh, talents, gifts. I would just focus on, on not trying to emulate someone else's life or portray your life to be something that it isn't. I would just be yourself. And I was saying that in terms of the people that I consciously follow, they are people who I just genuinely like. I'm blown away by their tattoo artistry or um, architecture or uh, I must admit I follow too many poets because I love words. So those things and those people, those craft craftspeople, they, that's nourishing to me because I look at their feeds and I feel good. So then I consciously then don't connect with profiles that I don't resonate with on a values level and that don't nourish me. So any that invite that comparison or beating myself up for not being X, Y, and Z, that's just not helpful or good for me. Um, I love following people who are genuine about their life and life. Mm-hmm. I'm yet to meet a perfect person. I'm definitely not a perfect person. Um, I love meaningful conversation. I love depth. I love realness. And so if someone is bold enough and brave enough to put their heart out there, which is probably why I follow a lot of poets, um, that's the type of material that I want to Mm. surround myself with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tool. Use it. Don't let it use you. Yeah. Yeah. And And your branding is yourself. Yeah. Like, so... If yeah, the, the harder you try, the more of a try-hard you'll seem. Mm-hmm. And then it'll uh, push people away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tricky it's a tricky new frontier. But uh, yeah, I think we'll figure it out as long as you um, yeah, realize most of the time it's just all in your head. It's a bit of a silly game. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And just choosing what you buy into and what you don't buy into. And making those decisions based on your own personal values that's would be my advice yeah Yeah. put yourself first cool hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.